Welcome to a very, very Pixar podcast. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I am joined, as always, by... Esme Mulberry. Mark Berry. And Levi Berry. Uh, Levi, you have a disclaimer for us at the top of this show. (laughs) Okay, quick disclaimer. This episode will hurt your feelings if you like any of these movies. These are our opinions. They are not objective facts. So... Prepare to be offended if you like Brave, The Good Dinosaur, or Cars 2. Okay, and I'm, I'm glad you said the names of the movies because this is where I want to uh, – this is an episode I really wanted to do, which is funny because we're really going to talk about three movies here. But when we were talking about this at Easter, Levi said definitively, oh, there are three – like there are definitely a bottom three Pixar movies. And the first two you said, I was like, okay, I haven't – uh, some of them I hadn't seen, but I was like, okay. But then, then you said another one, which, which I had assumed was viewed as a, as a as a pretty good Pixar movie. So those three movies are The Good Dinosaur, Cars Two, and Brave. Um, and uh, so I guess I should just ask Mark: Are you in agreement that these are the bottom three Pixar movies? Yes, and not even just even if these movies were a little bit better than they were. I would say that most other Pixar content is still better than these ones. Yeah, so, like, so, so that, that's a good point. So we're, you're not saying these are the worst movies ever made. These are the worst Pixar movies, which is a high bar. Yeah. Right? Okay. Esme, when I told you this, what were your thoughts? Okay. When I heard that, I agreed with the Cars 2. It's not great. I had not seen The Good Dinosaur, but I have now. But I had heard that it was not great. I, however, disagree on Brave. I think it's a good movie. I really like it. So there's going to be some fights here. There's going to be yeah. this, this is going to yeah. be a family feud episode. We're going to be fighting over these things. Um, let's start with let's do Brave last. Let's start with the Good Dinosaur. Should we do that? Can you yeah. uh, make your case for why this is in the bottom three? So now. Um, there are a few fundamentals uh, for movies. There is a story, there is graphics, and there is audio. Now, a good dinosaur lacks one of these things, and that is a story. Which seems important. <laughs> yeah. A story is very important. Um, without a story, you couldn't even write a book. So the thing about a good dinosaur um, is Arlo, the main character, is a flat character throughout and mm-hmm. has very little on-screen chemistry with spot the dog character so these are just starting things and on top of this there is not events if you have ever read <laughs> this is just, it's just funny you're you, absolutely right it's just funny if to you hear. have ever read uh the book save the cat uh written by a very smart screenwriter blake snyder they talk about the 16 fundamental story beats now good di- a good dinosaur lacks 15 of these <laughs> Which one does it have? Uh, which one does it have? Uh, no, wait, it, it has two, uh, an opening and a closing image. Ah, okay. Hmm. <laughs> that, that seems like a low bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've watched the movie. I have not seen a midpoint. I have not seen any character development. Mm-hmm. Arlo and Spot are both static characters, and they're unchanging. That's what exactly what static means. They're, it's... A lot of people have called this movie a tech demo for fancy landscapes, and that is because that's what it is. It has great landscapes. That's one of the things the movie has to its strengths. It has the scene we talked about in the last where they talk about their families using only sticks. Uh, And I don't know, some of the dialogue is like fine, but for most of it, they're just unchanging. It is just watching them go through landscapes with unmemorable villains and unmemorable characters where Arlo tries to get back home but he's not making any negative or positive progress throughout they're just saying oh yeah you're here oh yeah you're there oh now you're in a field with these like herd dinosaurs oh yeah these are velociraptors that eat tiny creatures and now you're in a field with uh wine berries that you just ate and then there is literally a scene where they get drunk on grapes i think they're more high yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're kind of high. I was very confused by that scene because I was like, why are they making a kid's movie with the scene where the two main characters are high? Yeah, the thing and, is, like, is that... Hallucinating. Well, there's a long there's a long history in Disney movies of this. Think about yeah. think about um, the, the Winnie the Pooh movie. Dumbo mm-hmm. has a scene where... Like, yeah. the, this, maybe they're just trying to, like, call back, right? It was disturbing, though. I did not like it. Yeah. It was uh, not good. Mark, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Good Dinosaur? I would say, like, I think it's just its main weakness. Like, to sum up what Levi said, it's boring. Like, the characters aren't compelling enough for you to get attached to them, and the story doesn't, like, progress 
fast enough for you to like follow and there's just it there's like random peaks of like action that aren't built up to and so it feels like very all over the place and random yeah, I, I would say, and, and this this actually contradicts uh, Levi a little bit, but in a negative way, which is I actually don't think it even looks that good. I like yeah. I, we watched Brave last night. So we watched Good Dinosaur two nights ago. Yeah. We watched Brave last night, and I was struck by like how much better Brave looks, like the landscape and the trees and all. Like it looks that movie looks stunning. The Good Dinosaur doesn't look that great to me. Yeah. Um. So so there's that. The other thing that I thought about it. Um is it's called The Good Dinosaur. That would seem to imply that the other dinosaurs aren't good. Like, 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 I don't really know what to make of that title. Why is he the good dinosaur? Exactly. So this movie had had a very long road of a troubled production, um, which is very sad uh, because conceptually, you can, based off of the title... Um, and just the concept. The concept, what if the asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs missed? So that means... Which is a great... That's a, Yeah, that's a great concept. Because, like, I mean, there are so many directions they can take this that would feel very Pixar. What if, like, it's modern day, there are dinosaurs and, like, humans. Like, you know, there is a lot of directions they could have taken this. But what the title implies is that dinosaurs and humans dislike each other or all dinosaurs are bad. And that Arlo is the good dinosaur and that he is going to, like, stop this feud. And that is a lot better than what we got. We did not get that. We got a static character of Arlo, who is basically a person, by the way. There's no reason for them to be dinosaurs and humans in this movie. Arlo, it is never important for Arlo to be a dinosaur. Not actually, like, once. Um, Mm -hmm. It is never important for Spot to be a human. Spot is a dog, and Arlo is a human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Esme, uh, thoughts on the, the good dinosaur? Okay, with the whole like what if the what if the dinosaurs didn't all die it's like that story that part of it isn't really relevant because you could still have the same story to a certain extent without that being true i mean you have to have the people but it's like i thought that it would be much more in the future the dinosaurs and the humans living together. I want to defend that part. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's something, to your point, that doesn't pay off. This movie's full of things where it's like, well, that's an interesting idea that doesn't pay off. The thing with the with the asteroid missing, right, and the dinosaurs living is that we get to see a degree of dinosaur evolution. Now, what this movie is iconographically is a Western I mean, it's set functionally in Monument Valley where you'd see, like, old John Ford westerns, things like that. That's where that, like, the the vistas and the landscape, like, that looks like mid-20th century westerns. So I got excited about that idea. And they're kind of these, like, homesteader farmers. Like, it feels mm-hmm. like a setup for a western. The problem is, to your point, it doesn't really have a story. And if it does have a story, it's not a – if they had turned this into a western with dinosaurs, I'm like, okay, that's kind of interesting. So there was a point when we were watching this where probably about 15 or 20 minutes in, I turned to Esme and said, is this movie a secret masterpiece? It is not. <laughs> it just it because bad. it doesn't it doesn't do it doesn't do that. So I actually think and this is where I'm interested in the kind of the troubled production is maybe they had a storyline that was going to be a lot more like a western, but this definitely It's not a western. It's it's yeah, it's definitely not that. So um I didn't actually plan on doing this, but if you if you'd want a western movie, I'd recommend that you just watch Rango. Sure, you should you should watch Rango. Yeah, yeah. But doesn't this feel like that's what they had meant yeah. this yeah. to be? Yeah. Or like there was the part with the T Rexes where they were almost like ranchers. Or Absolutely. Like and it's like I kept on thinking like it looks like they're trying to make certain parts or the whole movie very western like, and then it just felt weird. Right, but there are, there are typical arcs to to American westerns that you could do. Yeah, this doesn't seem to follow one of those. Do what arc it follows? It follows those movies where it's like the dog gets separated from home and has to find its way back. It's one of those movies. So, like an Incredible Journey, or yeah, those. yeah, it's, yeah. That's what it felt like. So here's a question that I have, and I want to do this with each one of these movies. I don't think any of us feels like really wants to defend the good dinosaur a great deal, so I won't I won't belabor that. But if we were going to fix the good dinosaur, if if if, if Disney uh, if, if Pixar gave you gave you the money to go in and do this, 
um, and and said like, okay, you can start from scratch. You have to use the sort of premise. So so we I think we have to have the premise um, and the setting and roughly some of the characters. How would you fix this movie? So what I would do is I would more or less change it so there's more humans and dinosaurs present in the film. So it's more of like it seems more civilized to put it. And would, would the humans be like Spot, or would they be more developed? They would be, a, I would say, a little bit more developed, but still, like, relatively on the same level. And so the thing is, humans and dinosaurs in this film wouldn't necessarily get along, which I'm trying to make the title work here. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is Spot goes missing, and Arlo is actually deciding to help him which makes him, like, he's the good dinosaur, and he's, like, the good Samaritan. He's going to risk his own safety and well-being for a chance at, like, potential peace between the two species. And you could still, like, have, like, dinosaurs that roam, like, the plant, kind of like those velociraptors, Mm -hmm. and, like, the T-Rexes that herd the cattle. And you could still sort of have that while maintaining a different premise that seems more like engaging so i like that so you're you're arguing that the good dinosaur is the bridge between those two communities where the other so you need to have more hostility between which also fitting a western westerns are full of your hatfields and mccoys you're like these are two groups of people in that case who have this long feud and they don't get along that actually works brilliantly so what i was going to do is i actually um i really like western movies like i've barely seen any western movies for how much I think, for like, I think Western movies are really cool, and I have not really seen that many, which may or may not be depressing. But regardless, I would make it so um, uh, the dinosaurs are actually like the Westerners. Like, you've got your cowboys, your sheriffs, you know, classic, like, Indiana Jones, um, cowboy bebop kind of things. Uh, and then the humans would be kind of like modern-day civilized people. So you would have them really, like, fast-forwarded into the future, so or into, like, the present. The modern... So, yeah, humans would be, like, modern day. They would be living in big cities. Uh, they would, like, all be wearing, like, visually, but they would probably all be, like, wearing suits, probably have office jobs. Versus the dinosaurs or more the living on the edge, um, what, cowboys, westerners. Um, and obviously, yeah, like Mark said, there would be a feud between them. The title just implies this. Um... And Arlo would probably be a misfit with him. Like, he was never fully... Like, he he was a dinosaur. But what he did, like, was, like, the human culture. Uh, and then Spot being a human was kind of, like, the adverse thing. So then, obviously, they would become friends. And they would, yeah, you know, try to, like, bridge the gap. Uh, and then the fighting and, like, the feuds. Oh, I, I dig that idea. Mims, do you have a, a pitch for how you would fix the good dinosaur? I mean... I don't know, like, specifically how you would do this, but even just what would change a lot is you would spend more time at the beginning at kind of where his family is and, like, kind of develop the character of his father more so, like, that plot line's more meaningful. And then also, like, just put in character development, make it so that you actually like the characters, almost make it more, not necessarily emotional, but just make it so you actually, like, care and feel something about them and that alone would make it better but i think there's other ways like there's some parts that just seem to drag on a lot without really any meaning or certain plot lines that are like that did nothing and they could just take them out sure sure so maybe clean it up a little bit streamline it but then allow for more character development and actually create a character arc i mean yeah his reason for being out in the world on his own is almost like accidental. Like it's mm-hmm. it, there, there is not um, where, I mean, if we're comparing this to brave, right? Brave, you have uh, Merida does something. There is sort of a, you know, uh, an inciting mistake that she makes or wrong that she does. And it's about how do we write that? Mm-hmm. This is just, he falls into the water. I mean, it's just like, and then he's yeah. just got to get home. Like, like, so the story doesn't set him up with a need for him to have an arc or to learn something. And even, even if you think about the end of this movie, right? What is the big image at the end of the movie? He makes his mark on that stone, right? What did he do to make his mark on the stone other than he came back home? Uh, 
Nothing. Yeah. He, he, didn't, yeah. he didn't do anything. The ending is so stupid because it doesn't make any sense. That's another thing I would change. Yeah, so, like, um, the thing about it is that there is a lot of what-are-you-doing moments in this movie. So, the dad dying. Rewrite, that did not need to happen. And the movie would be the exact same if they took out the dad's death. And the thing is, is that it is not tied to the movie's theme, which, like, they are very vague about. The thing is, that, like, when Arlo lets, the, lets Spot free from the trap, the dad literally takes Arlo out of the fence for a random reason and then just so happens to get eaten by a river. And later in that movie, that river comes, that like same kind of like river storm comes along and it doesn't even kill Arlo. Arlo survives. It's really like stupid. Like you don't feel for his dad's death because it just feels like his dad's fault. Yeah. And also it's just not necessary. It doesn't really emotionally drive Arlo forward or the plot or the audience. It doesn't do much of anything. It doesn't feel powerful and it's not necessary. So yeah, they should have taken that out. It also bothers me so much of like the way that his dad dies in the river. And then there are multiple moments where he falls in the river and one of them's the same way. And it's like, how is he totally fine? And his dad, who is much bigger than him, died like it's very confusing you could make the case it's because he's bigger that he gets i mean dinosaurs yeah. like that aren't built to swim like humans but so so we we've we've talked about the good dinosaur we've talked about ways that there are some positives to this that we maybe could uh we could fix this um i want to move on to um let's do brave let's, let's just let's let's stop talking around brave let's actually talk yeah. about brave here um, tell me, uh, who, who wants to kick off? Why don't, why don't okay. we have Mark kick off on Brave? Um, so what I will say about Brave is I do actually think it is the best of these three. I don't think it's like close to as bad as the good dinosaur or cars Two. I think it's, I think it is definitely an improvement on these. Um, but I still think it has some like crucial flaws that hold it back compared to like other movies. Um, the main issue, I would say, is that the main character is not very smart. And this really, like, like, this is the phrase we were talking about a lot before making this podcast, is when she encounters the witch, who she knows is a witch, um, and the witch, she asks for her for a potion to just change her mum. She doesn't ask for anything more specific than that. Which, there's about a million things this potion could do, and then after that, refuses to accept the fact that it's her fault. So, um, quick disclaimer, I hate this movie. I do not like it, okay? So, uh, as me, I can tell, is going to get probably This is, this is where the fights are going to happen. Yeah, this, this is, is the family this is going feud to be section. family feud section. It's going to okay? be the most so, entertaining. Merida um, is the worst Pixar protagonist. That includes Toe Mater, by the way, from Cars 2. <laughs> she is that bad. She never takes responsibility for anything. Even by the end, she still doesn't really think it was her fault. Like, she never fully accepts anything. Nothing is ever her fault. It's always her mother. And her and her mom are just infuri- It's infuriating to watch them because they refuse to communicate with each other. They have that scene where they're apart from each other, just wishing each other would listen. But the dumb thing about that is that they don't do anything. They don't do anything but argue. Not, neither of them ever tries to do anything about it, which is why they're in a feud. The bear plotline is dumb. Uh, I think that it is stupid because, yes, I'm aware the witch could have intentionally turned him into a bear, but the fact that the father is, like, thinking it's Mardu, like, the idea of Mardu, basically this cursed prince from, like, long ago being turned into this, like, bear that's constantly being hunted... And then, like, they turned the mom into a bear. Um, it's like, that is a fine idea. It feels like that's just going to include a lot of, like, the dad Like the dad just won't ever listen to Merida whenever she's saying, no, it's not Mardu. Uh, no, like, because nobody ever listens in this movie. The characters don't talk to each other, which is why it's not fun to watch. It's infuriating. The thing about, well... Okay, I'm just going to say 
Mardu in himself is not a great antagonist. Because considering that he was this dark prince, they could have actually done a lot with Mardu. They could have made him an actual, like, intimidating villain. Like, he, like the prologue is actually one of the things I like about this movie. I like the prologue. Um, like, the fact that, that his dad lost his leg to Mardu, which is probably why he's so rash around him. But I feel he would, like, as a father, you would, like, you know this, you would probably want to maybe listen to your children. Um, no, no, what I want to ask there is, is, is that a flaw? Are those character flaws? Because you need to have character flaws, right? Or are, or is that, are those narrative flaws? They are narrative flaws because okay. of the thing. So, now you're you're going to get your chance. <laughs> es- Esme, you will get your chance um, to put up an inferior argument. Um, but anyway, uh, they're narrative flaws because the like if it is a character flaw... Typically, um, not well. Not all character flaws are like lost because that's the thing. Characters have to be flawed throughout the entire story. But considering it is the father's most glaring and obvious flaw is his ignorance of his daughter, that never ever gets developed in any way. The dad is static, which is odd because he gets an awful lot of screen time. On top of this, the humor in the movie is really bland. Um, it's not funny. It's not a funny movie. Um, like, on top, and, I mean, for being released around, like, the same time as, I don't know, Toy Story 3, visually, it is not really as good as other Pixar movies. Um, and, yeah, that's about all I have to say about it without right. making Esme completely drown. <laughs> all right, let, let, let's hand it over to Esme okay. to give you a chance to retort, and then maybe folks can respond to what you have to say. Okay, first of all, I'm surprised that you said that it's not as, like, visually pleasing. I think it's actually pretty beautiful. Like, the landscapes are really good. Um, Especially compared to the good dinosaur, yeah. it blows the doors off of it. It's, it's yeah. like, the forest shafts are actually, like, they're so good. Um... And I would say that a lot of things you're talking about is it's like that's kind of the point of it of like it's it is like kind of the tragic flaw of like you they have this character flaw and then it leads to their downfall. And then they like she does though like Merida kind of does in the end come to terms with it. Like if you listen to what she's saying at the end when she's crying, she's like she says that like, oh, yeah, this is my fault. Like this is all my fault and basically owns up to it. And then, like, at the end, her and her mom actually develop a good relationship and listen to each other. So I think, like, at the beginning, the point is is that they don't listen to each other and, like, they don't really think things through. She does have a problem with communicating. And then at the end, like, she comes to terms with that stuff. She owns up to things and they're friends and they can communicate. And I think her father's kind of more comic relief and his flaw is more to give it plot than anything else. So, um, I would argue, yeah, the, Merida is not completely static. I was a little wrong when I said she never fully develops it. Because, yeah, her mom and her, it is kind of nice at the end to see, like, they have a good relationship. This movie isn't, like, like this, have, what is the opposite of uh, flawless? This movie isn't entirely awful. There are good things. There is the arrow scene, or like the Robin Hood arrow scene, which I really like. It's actually one of my favorite scenes in any Pixar movie. Um, there's the prologue, which I like. Um, and I and I don't mean like the animation is like bad. Like the landscapes look really good and stuff. But like on the characters, the how characters much of that is human? Is the fact that they're they're doing humans? Like um, like because it is it is easier when you're not doing you don't because you don't fall into the uncanny valley of like. Well, it looks like a person, but it's like, and I, I realize Pixar has done a lot of human animation, but I, but I always sort of feel that way. It's so much, I think it's so much better when it's like, oh, this is an animal or this is a car. Like it's easy. You, you don't, you don't sweat the, the animation there. So you think that's a part of it. I think like her hair, that stuff is great. Yeah. Yeah. Pixar has, Pixar has good hair technology. They have good rain technology. Like Pixar has good animation technology. The animation isn't bad per se, but like the colors and everything just kind of feel a little like. This is especially during the human scenes. Every the, the colors just feel like monotone, like washed over compared to like um I don't know a movie made two years before this, Toy Story three, which has like a lot more. Like I don't think that's only me. Like the skin tones 
Um, the hair colors, the outfits just seem more, like, drab in Brave. Like, the animation isn't bad, per se. It's not low quality. It's just, like, this is, like, Pixar. I would have, like, I would have liked to see some more, like, color and person and, like, personalized, like, flair. Okay. Here's the thing, though. Because of, like, where the story is set and kind of the time period, if it was, like, really bright colored, it would seem really weird. Like, it makes so much more sense for it to be what it is. And honestly, like, I don't think it's that much of a problem in the movie. I I do hear what you're saying, though. Uh, Like, because there are moments where certain colors show up and they pop so much more because... I mean, I actually think, like, like this is one of the the values of, like, Merida's hair. Like, that has a kind of pop to it. Partially because of the, the, the volume of hair she has with the color. When she's wearing, like, the blue, that pops a little more. The one guy who's painted in blue, like, that pops a little more because it is a lot of browns and greens and kind of earth tony type things. I definitely I definitely see that. I don't know that that's a problem, but I definitely see that. Yeah. Um, I would say, though, like, I just think I disagree with a lot of, like, your points of, like, the mom's relationship with her. I don't think that's actually very bad. I think it's good to, like, the mom doesn't get to talk, so she has to listen, which is, like, mm-hmm. the point of the bear is, like, she has to listen to what Merida has to say. But I do okay. think it is kind of weird that the father, like, I think it's the father's a little off-putting in the sense that at the beginning of the movie, the father was, like, kind of for letting Merida shoot and, like, letting her have that. But he doesn't, like, and later in the movie, he doesn't, like, ever show support for her or, like, communicate with her. I think, like, that could have made a lot more sense if he, like, disagreed with Merida's mom about that. I have a potential. So I want to, maybe we can pivot towards fixing the movie because I have a, but I'm going to pitch a potential fix to this movie. Um, What if you have this same story, you have the four clans, but there's not a father. If it's just her and her mom. So her mom is thinking about, like, marrying her daughter off in part like thinking about like what is her responsibility as a queen so there isn't any any, like we we have to at least for show defer to the father so you take that out entirely and this is really a mother-daughter movie with that because the the father is kind of a buffoonish figure who's there whether the comedy hits or not it's kind of there for comic relief does that make this movie better i haven't really thought through this much but i'm just throwing that out there as a as a first attempt at fixing so I actually think that's kind of genius because the father, notice in the intro scene when he, like, fights Mordu, if he would have died there. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know Pixar has done a lot of, like, dead parental figures and I think they need to stop. But that actually makes a lot of sense for the movie because since he's not there anymo- anymore, the mom gets to actually, like, have her way and have Merida not shoot and just be a queen. Um and so it would make a lot more sense. And we could see, like, interesting things. Because when the nation doesn't have any leaders, I'd, it'd be funny to see, like, the triplets mm-hmm. take over mm-hmm. when they're out in the forest. I think that's a really smart, like, fix for it, actually. Anybody else want to pitch a fix, even though I want to point out, just because I feel good about this, that Mark did say my fix was, quote, genius. Or he said actually genius. But I yeah. will take that. Levi, what you got? So, um, So my fix is, here's the thing. The reason the mother-daughter plotline is inherently done better in other movies. So I'm going to take Anchorman, for example. Oh, when they first add Veronica Corningstone uh, to the news team, the four main uh, characters are actually upset about it. This is how it needs to work, and this is why it's bad that the dad is completely neutral. He's for entirely bad comic relief. The humor in this movie is in humor is subjective. But in my opinion, it's not good. Oh, in my opinion, it's not good. Um, but basically, people need to pick sides. When this when this is like a feud, but it's like being like the idea of the movie is that the relationship isn't great, but it's being fixed. There should and there needs to be characters to pick sides, and typically more people should pick the side we don't want them to pick, i.e., the mother's side. Um, especially when this movie is about like Merida is, like, they advertised it as Merida denying gender roles. Which, by the way, this movie had, um... So, they fired the only... Pixar fired the director of this movie, their current, currently their only female director, uh, because she wasn't falling in line with John Lasseter, who, by the way, directed Cars 2. 
Um, <laughs> and then they replaced him. They replaced her with a director that did not know what the movie was about. Who quote said, "Gender has nothing to do with this story." <laughs> um, which, no, it does. Um, so like, to its credit, yeah, it's not. It's not the movie's fault. It's bad. But the thing about, um. Is because I I just feel like this director didn't really because I don't because we didn't see um, what the old director had in store but I feel like they would have been able to make the movie better because um, they would have been able to more lean into it because it feels like this movie that was inherently you could tell it was originally about uh, Merida um, like in the face of adverse like like in the face of like society um, and. Like, because her mother sort of represented society. It didn't feel like it was an emotional feud originally between her and her mother. It felt like Merida versus society. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel this new director is the one that pushed the mother Merida thing. I could be wrong on this, but that's just what. That's really interesting to, to think about, though. I didn't realize that there was a that that, that, that was because I do see it, this listed as having two directors, so that that makes sense. I will point out though. Um, Subsequently, there have been other female directors of Pixar movies, but this this she was the first. Um, uh, uh, Brenda Chapman was the first um, Pixar female Pixar director, and then and then gets replaced. Anybody else have fixes for this movie? Um, but so, <laughs> hang on, uh, because this is why I feel uh, if they would have had people take the mother's side, it would have been better. It would have felt like actually maybe right for the movie because the way they make her mother have to listen to Merida is I'm going to say not the way you do it because it's not gradual. She turns her into a bear and since she's a bear it's impossible to really tell what she's like feeling because the way um because in a movie where like you want them to get them to slowly communicate to each other you want it to like seem gradual. You know, that's mm-hmm. for all character development. It needs to like seem gradual and needs to feel like the plot is doing something. But because they just their method is oh just turn her mother into a bear. That's not the greatest way of doing it. There could have been way better ways of communicating. I don't want to be a princess. I want to be an archer. Um so yeah, there there are just way better ways of communicating. Other than we're going to turn her into a bear, um, and I pretty, I would say that we've covered like fixes, because again, your fix was pretty great for it. Um, I love to hear you say that. Yeah, <laughs> like it. I mean, it is really creative though, and I think it fits really well. Unless Esme has you, something to add. Do you have a fix, Okay, I actually think that you should keep her father in there, because I think her father actually you could like. I think you could change his character to make it better, like, make it so that, like, you're talking about, like, at the end, he isn't acting so stupidly and not, like, listening to what she's saying. Like, you could change it. But I feel like his character is actually really important because he, um, his character actually really helps to show who Merida's mother is. And what she's like. So I think his character, his character also helps explain in a way why Merida is the way she is and she like sees him much more as a role model than her mother. Sure. So I think that like you can change his character to make it better, but he actually is really important. And then we do avoid the dead parent thing, which is yeah. probably too big of a trope. In yeah. Olympics. But I just and think they need to stop doing dead parents off yeah. the mm-hmm. bat. Then. Yeah. He's also there too, because then he can be alive to kind of, talk about and keep on telling the story about like the bear attack to then keep the community very aware and afraid of bears sure. so then like the story then makes sense okay so we've talked about brave we've kind of maybe fixed brave we've talked about the good dinosaur i think like, there's lots of good fixes for that um Let's let's jump into um, what I actually think is the worst of these three. So I, I've ordered this uh, intentionally. Let's talk about Cars too. Before we talk about Cars too, tell me your thoughts on Cars. Cars as a franchise is. I'm oh, sorry. I want to hear your thoughts on Cars One. Okay, sorry, Car- I mean, so Cars yeah. One. I think Cars One is like a, a fine film. I'd say 
there are some upsides, there are some downsides. The thing about it is that, well, why are they cars? There isn't really necessary a reason for there to be cars. Yeah, it does make it a little more interesting to like look at. But the thing is, is that I just I can't sympathize with Lightning McQueen. I can't see what he's feeling. I he is just because he is a generic character, and I don't think anybody will ever see him as anything more than Kachow. Um, the first Cars movie overall is like. It was during Pixar's hot streak where they like they dropped they dropped Toy Story, Toy Story, Toy Story Two, Monsters Inc., The Incredibles, like all in this hot streak, and then they uh, dropped Cars, which does feel, and I think some people can agree with this, like a movie that was made to sell toys. I think that's definitely definitely a part of it. Uh, Mark, do you have? What's your thoughts on Cars 1? Because And the reason I ask this is because I want to set a baseline for do we dislike Cars 2 because we dislike the Cars franchise or did Cars does Cars 1 have any, any value or merit to you? So, in my opinion, Cars 1 is the definition of average. I don't... It doesn't do much well. I didn't... Personally, I don't have a huge problem with them being Cars. I think it adds, like, artistic creativity. But I think Cars 3 is a good representation of what a Cars film should be. In that sense, like, it focuses on the racing. Like, Cars 1, I think, like, being abandoned in the town is just, like, too lengthy. And we don't get to see, like, the racing much, which is, like, the actually interesting part. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's, like, middle-of-the-pack average film. Sure. Mims? Okay. For me, Cars 1... It's been a really long time since I've seen it, and I saw it a lot when I was younger. But I remember liking it, and in my head, like, it was good. But the reason I like Cars is the reason I don't like Cars 2. Because Cars 1 is, like, it's a sports movie, and Cars 2 is, like, it's a crappy spy movie. And that on its own, it's like, okay, whatever. But if you go in from, like, this pretty good sports movie to that it's really disappointing and i think that's why cars 2 is as bad as yeah it is. yeah so i will just say i i'm probably the biggest fan of the original cars here um i really I actually think it works really well i think it has a lot of the things that the when we're talking about the good dinosaur and we're talking about you know break whatever like it has all the it has a lot of the stuff that makes these things work um it is it is following the arc. Uh, there's a movie from the late 80s, early 90s called Doc Hollywood, which is basically cars. But if it was people and he wasn't a race car, but he was a plastic surgeon, like like it, it follows this arc of this big city guy who gets stuck in this small town and has to kind of learn some things about himself. Um, so I actually think you're right. I think it functions really well as a sports movie. And that's why I like it, because Pixar doesn't really have a sports movie franchise other than cars in that way. Um, maybe let's pivot to Cars 2 in terms of, okay, what uh, what's broken here? Because we all, we all are sort of saying, you know, Cars 1, even if we're say- saying, like, it's the definition of average, like, we are not saying that Cars 2 even sniffs average, right? So, Cars 2. Now, I said for Brave, uh, I gave a quick mini disclaimer that I hated Brave. Now, compared to Cars 2... I like Brave. <laughs> I hate Cars 2 that much. It is it is it is really that bad. It is one of the worst animated movies I have seen uh in a while. Um and in a, in a long long while. The thing about Cars 1 is like yeah, they could have been not cars, you know. But other than that, like the plot is like like it's like the definition of average. It's a sports movie, you know. Their cars, which is fine. The characters are fine. Everything's, like, fine. But the thing about Cars 2 is, hey, there are some parts of the Cars universe that just don't make sense. And they're kind of weird, and I don't think... Like, in the Cars world building, there are these parts that just don't really work. Let's make a movie based off of those parts. So, the reason they're Cars, this is a sports movie. Now, we're going to make Cars into a spy thriller. Now, the reason that's a bad idea is because they're Cars. In spy movies, spy thrillers especially, have action scenes. How do you make action scenes with a car? That is just not possible. And the action scenes they do create are, like, they're fine. They're kind of silly, though. Like, they're, yeah, they, they, they're have like, to, they have to, it's really sweaty to get 
They're, some of these things accomplished. Especially since, like, in most spy movies, they do this thing where, like, the bad guy, like, the good guys are obviously ridiculously overpowered, and they have all these gadgets and stuff. Thing is, is, like, the they don't have any, like, you could have done some actually creative stuff with gadgets that a car would have. You know, he has grapple, grenades, more grapple, <laughs> more grenades, oil. Wow, I have never seen slippery oil in the spy movie. That's so original. <laughs> um, but other than this, I, I'm going to get um, the elephant out of the room. Mater. So, if you've ever seen A Bug's Life, um, which has everybody here seen A Bug's Life? I have. I haven't. I um, have. So, uh, don't if you don't know, it. so Flick um, basically messes... So. Uh, the man in that movie, the mantises uh, make a deal with the ants. Like the mantises are like, they're the bad guys of the movie. They're forcing the ants to harvest like food for them. And Flick, the main character, accidentally like spills the food into the river. Um, and so the mantises are probably gonna do some like, probably gonna like, they're gonna attack them. So what Flick needs to do is he needs to recruit some warriors. Uh, and he gets some warrior ants. But when he's presenting them, uh, they take Flick backstage and they tell him that uh, that they're circus bugs. Um, and then for the rest of the movie, he, uh, he tries to make them, like, play pretend, and it actually ends up working out pretty, pretty well for him until, like, the truth comes out and all that stuff. What you'd expect. Now, Cars 2 is like that if Flick didn't believe that they were circus bugs even after they told him. Um, his meter is constantly saying, because, like, these people, so basically in a bathroom, um, there was this spy person that I guess they were, um, that Finn McMissile, the person we see, um, in the prologue, and this other spy car lady we're supposed to meet up with. Um, and he is getting attacked by some of, like, the generic bad guys. Um, so then he puts, like, the rendezvous tracker onto Mater. He sneaks it onto him so that, um, Finn McMissile and the lady spy, I forgot her name, I'm not gonna look it up, um, weren't gonna get captured. Um, but then, you know, that puts Mater in the position, he's not a spy, but I guess he has to pretend like it, um, but he doesn't. He's constantly telling them, I am not a spy, and he's so confused, um, throughout the course of the entire movie. The action sequences are very repetitive and bland. The humor is non-existent. Um, Mater, um, when he's, like, first recruited, um, actually puts his own self-interest over Lightning McQueen's. Like, he was supposed to be, like, um, McQueen's, like, coach throughout the race, like, giving him advice and stuff. But because he's going to do something else, um, what he says messes up Lightning McQueen and causes him to lose the race. Mater is... He's... That's, like, the scene that everybody points to when they say Mater's a bad character. He is being selfish, and it is 100% his fault. Um, And then the movie tries to point it at Lightning McQueen just being ridiculous... Um, at a point later in the movie, um, like, Mater realizes that everybody laughs at him, which is, like, one of the, like, stupidest emotional beats I've ever seen, especially since this is Mater we're talking about. He looks like he's a rusty old tow truck, um, and it's at this moment when he's put in laughing gas that he realizes everybody thinks of him as a joke. That's not gonna make me feel anything, especially when... That's just what I've been shouting at everybody this entire movie. They're just stating the obvious. Well, and what's what's interesting, you know, when I think about the 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 Mater problem with this movie is that in Cars One, Mater is a side character who the comic relief works pretty well because he's not a central character. And this is always a problem with sequels when they say, "Let's take that one side character that got some laughs and let's center the whole movie around him." And it's that's not the character I wanted to see more of. I, I was, I did, I do not, I do not need more Mater in that way. Mark, what, what are your thoughts on Cars Two? Um, again, I think it's just like as I said. Why is it a spy movie? I think Cars Three, especially Cars One and Cars Three, do better because they focus on the racing. They're like sports movies, which I think is what they should be. And Cars Two tries to be like this big conspiracy. I think the villain is a huge problem. Like, that twist villain, pretty sure nobody's watched that movie and didn't <laughs> expect him. Because you don't just introduce this character who has no screen time for a random reason. Um, and 
I just think like the bad guy's reasoning is so bad. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying. So what they're trying to do is it's a bunch of what they call lemon cars, which are just bad cars, um, who are looked down on, and they're trying to make alternative fuel look bad. So they get this guy to pretend to be an electric car and engineer this fuel that they can just make explode with a camera. Um, and they use it to try and make alternative fuel look bad so that they can buy, so that cars buy oil from their oil rig so that they make money. Which may be the stupidest villain scheme I've ever seen. Yeah, spy movies are full of stupid villain schemes. Yeah. So this, this movie also just felt like they sold a lot of Cars toys and thought, we need yeah. to sell more Cars toys. We don't really care what the movie is. We just need to we need to do something where we can introduce a bunch more Cars so we can sell them. So let's try to fix this movie. And um, I'm going to say, I'm going to give you, here's your, your instructions for the fix of this movie. Don't make it a spy movie. Let's just throw that out entirely. If there was a second Cars movie... Um, and you can you can say that you want to sandwich between Cars one and three, or you can say let's forget about three. I'm just going to write a Cars sequel. What would your idea be? Go ahead. Mark. So, what I would do is you know that like I forgot his name. He's like the racer who's competing with Lightning McQueen. The Italian one. Yeah, the okay. Italian one. So I want him to become the like remove the Allen all guy mm-hmm. and basically remove the spy cars. And just take out that intro scene entirely. Um, and this guy, he wants to win the World Cup. And so his strategy is he has, like, his goons set up these cameras. And they can just make cars explode on command. And so basically any car that was in front of him or, like, catching up with him was going to explode. But Lightning McQueen was actually doing bad in the first two races because Mater was... Mater got sidetracked and is giving him bad instructions, like stay on the outside, slow down, and just things like that. And so, for the third race, um, he's gonna like kill Lightning McQueen because Mater is no longer coaching him, and he like finds that out somehow. And Ma- like somebody needs to like stop them. I don't, I don't have a time to like write because this is like writing a new movie. Sure, sure. But the premise of it is the Italian guy is the new main bad guy, and he's using the camera to blow up his competition. Okay, yeah. So, so, so it's sort of a, a sports movie mixed with kind of a a, a murder plot. Yeah. Type thing. Okay, that that works. Anybody else have a pitch for what um, your what your car sequel would be? Because I definitely have one, but I want you guys to go first. Um, so, oh, you can go. So, um, my idea: Mater is not going to be the main character. Um, I wanted to point this out previously, but like. He just accidentally manages to do everything right, and by the end, everybody respects him, which is dumb. That's not how you write a character. My idea would be to make the human world and the car world interact or something. I don't know what would happen, but I don't know what would happen to trigger this. But so, um, if you've ever heard of the movie featuring David Hasselhoff, um. He has a talking car. Oh, Knight Rider. Yeah, Knight Rider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm all in if we're talking Knight Rider. Go for it. They should do a Knight Rider parody. Since there is already talking cars, all you need is a human. Okay? And then you can actually probably maybe, maybe make it kind of like a sort of still, like, thriller movie. Interesting. And then if you just... So they could actually do something... Because Pixar can make some pretty good, like, parody movies. Like, The Incredibles is a really good parody movie. Mm -hmm. Um. So, like, why don't you do, like, a Knight Rider parody? That sounds like a good idea. Knight Rider is, like, old enough, you know? Sure, Where it's not like you're ripping off a modern thing. So, I think, honestly, that would be, like, the thing to have the most potential. Sure. Esme, what do you got? Um, I would kind of agree kind of with Mark where, like, you make that Italian guy kind of the main bad guy and then just make it, like, a sports racing movie again. Yeah. Because, like, you look at other sports franchises I mean, like the rocky movies there's eight of those and they're all still about boxing like it's possible you can make a sports movie franchise and make them all about sports still and not have to make one into a spy movie exactly no i i i think you could take that italian guy and you could make rocky three or rocky four yeah with that um that was exactly my pitch which is which is like you because in the in the 
in Rocky 3 and Rocky 4, by that point, Rocky is the champ. He's on top of the world. And it's about how do you keep your fire? How do you keep the eye of the tiger when you're winning? Like when yeah. you're on top of the world, do you lose your edge? And like it's like, well, that actually you could you could take that and you could do lots of interesting things. And I would actually be like actively quoting Rocky 3 and 4 in that. I think that would be a really fun, a really fun movie. And it would probably allow you to then do something like Cars 3 where he is kind of in a elder statesman mentor thing a little a little cleaner um and one thing i would say though the reason in my re rework is to keep the camera is because the one scene i like in this movie is in the second race in like the italian rivera i believe that's what it's called the riviera yeah yeah um where they blow up like six cars and they all get into a huge car crash I like that scene because it shows, like, the brutality of the villain. And if it was, like, the Italian car, I think that would, like, fit sure. so much more. Especially since, like, he doesn't want to lose on his, like, own turf. I think what we can all agree on is that the movies we pitched are infinitely better yeah. than Cars 3. Yeah. Yeah. Or so Cars 2, most, sorry. Cars so, 2. Yeah. Cars, yeah, Cars 2 is the epitome of... Don't do this again, please. Yes. I also think it doesn't look very good. I, I yeah. think like yeah. that that was my other takeaway watching it is like it feels like they were cutting corners visually sometimes making this movie. Yeah, the so. guns on the side of Finn McMissile looks like cubes. They're yeah. so stupid. Yeah. And also like in that car crashing scene, like if you want to like set up your villain as genuinely like a threat, maybe don't make the car crash scene look like Bumper cars, because nobody, <laughs> it's it's nothing. It looks like bumper cars. Right, right. It's not intense. I'd say the only positive is actually they have some, like, real-life, um, like, NASCAR and professional driving, like, car cameos mm-hmm. that appear as characters, which I think is actually kind of cool. That yeah. is, like, the only thing I'd say the movie has. Like, in terms of, like, this, because, like, you can tell it's, like, it could have been an international, sport like, sports movie compared to, like, you know, just a, like, like the first one was like just a sports movie. This could be like they go to Japan, they go to mm-hmm. Italy. This could have been an international sports movie. Yeah, you like don't need seeing to have more places because we just saw Tokyo, Italy, and London. We could have seen like way more. Absolutely. Well, guys, um, we are running out of time on this episode. This was really great. I it was this was a kind of a tough episode because we were talking about movies we don't love. Yeah. Um, for our next episodes, we're going to be talking um about. Some of the best of Pixar. Uh, so we have two more episodes coming up in, in the next two weeks. Some really great stuff coming. Um, for uh, Levi Berry, Mark Berry, and Esme Mulberry, I am Sam Mulberry. And this has been a very, very Pixar podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye.